0: Esther 3. And if you'll permit me, I'd like to use Esther as a little bit of an illustration and um, kind of uh, look at some parallels. Uh, I want to be careful not to over-spiritualize things, but I want to look at some things that, that God's people went through in the book of Esther and, uh, and some things I think we can relate to, uh, some things going on today. By the way, interesting thing about the book of Esther God is not mentioned one time in the Book of Esther, but He is very, very active, and uh, it's very, uh, very interesting that there are times in life where it doesn't seem like you know where is God. You know, we're wondering what's going on, but uh, amidst all that, He is very active, and uh, and I think uh, I think some people are asking that these days: Where is God amidst all this? Has He forgotten us? And uh, very important. I'm going to try to minimize reading, but there's going to be a bit of reading tonight. Fascinating book. If you've not read the Book of Esther, I encourage you to read it. It's one of those just uh, just neat stories. It's really it's, a, it's an amazing story. Uh, so what's happening is this is a post captivity era in the nation of Israel. Many of the uh, many had gone home, but many stayed in this foreign country in, in Persia, and. Uh, and these are those Jews that stayed behind, if you would, and, uh, in this, uh, this kingdom here. We're going to learn about a king, and, and um, we're not going to cover it, but, uh, uh, but through a series of, of events that took place, basically the king held a beauty pageant, so to speak, to determine who his next wife was going to be. And, and God allowed this Jewish girl by the name of Esther to become the king, uh, the, king the queen. We all know who's really in charge, right? <laughs> to become the queen, and uh, and in this story, it was, what makes this such a great story is you got a villain, you got a conflict, you got all these things uh, that are going on. But uh, but when I say story, understand uh, every every account in the Bible is true. This actually happened. And, uh, you know, they've made movies about it, they've, they've all these things, we can dramatize it. But let's not forget, this is, this is the Word of God. This is a part of the divinely inspired Word of God. And for whatever reason, this account, this set of circumstances, God wanted us to have all these years later today. You know, there are a lot of things that the Jews uh, went through that we don't know about. He didn't record it. But for whatever reason, he recorded this one, and I think there's a lot we can learn from it uh, in the book of Esther so let's look at Esther chapter three. <clears throat> After these things, did uh, King uh, uh or uh, Hazarus, excuse me, uh, pr- promote Haman the son of uh, boy my eyes? Let's bring this up here. The son of uh, Hammedatha, the Agagite. Now, the, uh, the, or the yeah, Agagite, Agagite, however you want to pronounce that, uh, that's very important because the Agagites were descendants, really, of, uh, these were the Jews' enemies, and, uh, and these were the ones, remember all the way back when King Saul uh, was told to, uh, uh, to capture uh, the king and the, the cattle and everything, not to leave anybody alive. And he left some of them alive. He left the king alive. And that's when, uh, when the prophet Samuel shows up. He says, what's this bleeding in my ears that I hear? You know, the bleeding of the sheep, you know. And uh, you're supposed to kill everything. And, and Saul tried to spiritualize it. Oh, we kept it to give sacrifice to God. And, and that's the point, really, where God said enough. I'm cutting you off as king. Well, this is the descendants of those people that should have been wiped out. They should not even been a problem. All right. By the way, I want you. I want to say something that when we areas of our life, when we neglect to obey God today, they will come back to haunt us another day. And this is exactly what's going on. This whole region right here, where uh, the Jew, the Jewish people in this part in this region, are uh, are 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 close to being exterminated. Uh, this was a. This was going to be an attempt to uh, to commit. Um, What's it called when you want to wipe out a whole people group? Genocide. Thank you. <laughs> Boy, my brain is just, uh... I used all my brain power this morning, okay? And so, so this is that guy, and he's now promoted uh, by the king, kind of, kind of second in charge uh, as, as the text kind of unveils. He's got the, ki- the king's, uh, he's going to have the king's ring to kind of make decisions on his behalf and so forth. And uh, it says that he advanced him and set him over all the princes that were with him. And all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman, and the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. So, so the king had actually commanded that when this guy comes through town, everyone is supposed to bow down. So Mordecai is not just disrespecting this guy, uh, but but he's actually disobeying a command of the king. Okay. Uh, then the king's servants, which were in the king's gate, said unto Mordecai, Why transgresseth thou the king's commandment? Now it, has con- uh, now it came to pass, when they spake daily unto him, and he hearkened not unto them, that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's uh, matter would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath. And he thought... Uh, and he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had showed him uh, the people of Mordecai. Wherefore Haman sought to destroy all of the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom. And uh, and, and so so now he's taking this uh, not just out on Mordecai, but he's seeing oh Mordecai is part of a people group, and so now he's going to go after and blame all the people group, right? And uh, uh, by the way, this. This is a definition of racism, okay? <laughs> uh, as, we, as we're trying to discuss that these days, um, to th- just throw them all in there, all right? The Jews are the problem. Uh, we're against them. Verse 7, in the first month, uh, that is the month Nisan, uh, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus, uh, they, they cast Pur, that is, the lot, before Haman... From day to day and from month to month to the twelfth month, that is the month Adar. And Haman said unto king Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the province of thy kingdom. And their laws are diverse from all the people, neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore it is not for the king's profit to suffer them. So he tells the king there are some people amongst your people, there's people scattered throughout the kingdom, and they don't observe the, your laws. They have a different law, a different custom. By the way, notice his, his tricky uh, language here. It, it's not that they were disobeying any of the king's laws. It's just that they have their own set of customs as well. And we understand the nation of Israel. Uh, they have the Old Testament, right? They have up to this point, they have the, the books of Moses, they have customs, they have laws, and, and listen, it's not interfering with these laws, but they have their own own customs. Um, by the way, I want to say this: that you and I, as believers in this land, we have a higher authority than the government. We have laws that are separate from the laws of this land. Right? Now, the Bible tells us to, to obey those laws, to obey the ordinances of man and so forth as, as much as we're able to. Right? There may be times where there's a conflict, but as much as we're able to, we are to live peaceably and, and we are to even pray for the king, the Bible says. That we may live quiet and peaceable lives with all, uh, with all honesty and so forth. And so, uh, so, so understand something. Now, there are people that will say Christians are part of the problem. They're part of the problem. They're, they're disrupting things. They're trying to mix their religion with politics, and they're trying to get in the way. You see, and, uh, and, you know, by the way, people have always tried to look for a scapegoat. Right? Who's responsible for the fires in California and Oregon and Washington? I mean... Uh, who's, who's the scapegoat? Who are one of the scapegoats? Trump. The fact that he denies global warming is what caused these fires. Excuse me? I'm sorry, I just don't think someone has enough brain power to create fires, okay? Uh, <laughs> by his belief or disbelief of something. But, well, you see, scapegoat. Uh, if he had just acted sooner, right? And, uh, you know, and by the way, this is not new with, with, with Israel. We look through Israel's history. What did Hitler do with the Jews? Right? He, well, he wanted to kill them, but, but he was using them as scapegoats. This is, this, you know, all the problems that we're experiencing, it's the Jews' fault. All right? You go back to, uh, to the first century, Emperor uh, uh, Nero. He was blaming the Jews and the Christians for a lot of the things, and he was actually set, very similar. He was setting his own city on fire and blaming the Jews and the Christians, all right? And, uh, and so, so these, these uh, scapegoats of you. But he words in such a way, he tells the king that there are people that, uh, that have a different set of laws. And, and it's not for your profit, king. It's not going to be helpful to you if you suffer them or if you allow them. Verse 9. If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver in the, in the hands of those who have charge of, this, of the business to bring it into the king's treasuries. So now he's offering to add money to the king's treasuries. Verse 10. And the king took his ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, the son of uh, H- Hammedatha the Agagite. Now get this, the Jew's enemy. In case you're wondering. Verse 11. And the king said to Haman, The silver is given to thee, the people also, to do with them as it seemeth good to thee. Then were the king's scribes called the thirteenth day of the first month, and there was written according to all that Haman had commanded unto the king's lieutenants, and to the governors that were uh, over the province, and to the rulers of every people of every province, according to the writing thereof, and to every people, uh, after their language, in the name of king Ahasuerus. Uh, was it written, and the seal with the king's ring. And the letter was sent by posts, by mailmen, uh, into all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day, even the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month Adar, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. The copy of the writing for uh, for a uh, commandment was given in every province, was published unto all people, that they should be ready against that day. The post went out, being hastened by the king's commandment, and the decree was given in Shushan the palace, and the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city, Shushan, was perplexed. I'd say. So here's what happened. Haman devise this plan, right by the way it's amazing when we don't give all the information this is very similar when they trapped king darius with daniel and they said uh, they kind of played to his ego here's what you should do king you should make a law that no one can ask you anything for a given period of time and yeah i like that and uh, what they're trying to do is trap daniel he didn't know all the information right very similar. He didn't know all the information. He just said, there are people. He didn't really identify them. He just said, there's a group. They kind of have their own laws. And I don't know what was going through the king's mind. Maybe he was thinking there was like a, a, a renegade underground movement that was forming or something. I don't know. But here's what, he, here's what he said. He wrote this decree that on a certain day, the 17th day of the 12th month, uh, was it the 12th month? 13th month. Um, let me get it right. Yeah, the 13th day of the 12th month. There it is. 13th day of the 12th month that every Jew in sight, young and old, men and women, children, could be slain. And on top of it, you get to keep all their stuff. Can you imagine if they did that in this country? And it's, just pick any demographic. Can you imagine how people would go crazy? And I get to keep all their stuff? And I get to, Right. This decree was passed. Now, there's some time, but this is going out, and I just want to say this. It's, a, it's a, a, really a death warrant for every Jew in the nation. Now, it kind of reminds me of Hebrews. It's appointed unto men once to die. After this, the judgment, and every one of these Jews had an appointment with death. I don't want to get off track from what I want to bring our attention to, but there's a great evangelistic uh, message in the book of Esther. Chapter 4. And Mordecai perceived all that was done. Mordecai rent his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry. And came even before the king's gate, and none, for none might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews. Get this now. And fasting and weeping and wailing and many lay sackcloth and ashes now i want to say this we have some time this was written in verse 12 the first month and is to be carried out the 12th month we have some time can i say nothing has happened yet uh, I want us to process some things, and and if you, you'll allow me to kind of make some parallels, nothing has happened yet, but there's a great threat, and it is imminent. And the people took it so serious that immediately they began mourning, crying out with a bitter cry, fasting, weeping, wailing, and even put on sackcloth and ashes, which was an external sign of mourning, and it was a sign of it was putting yourself in discomfort. Uh, adding to the fasting, if you would, uh, for their cry. Now, by the way, who are they crying to? Who are they praying to? This is implied. They're, They're crying out to their God. But again, nothing has happened yet. They're not waiting for it to happen before they start praying. They're not waiting for it to happen to start calling out to God. Now, I want to say this. I've seen in recent days, you know, various articles and stuff. Um, uh, Of course, we've seen a lot of John MacArthur in the news. And people are accusing him of having uh, uh, persecution syndrome. He's just, he's wanting to be a martyr, right? He's, you know, and this isn't persecution, you know. And and quite frankly, if we're going to compare persecution with persecution, it's not persecution, okay? Uh, There are some people really being persecuted in this world. But listen, we live in the freest land in the world. And, uh, and I do believe, I believe the evidence is so abundantly clear that, uh, that, that it was God's providence that brought about America and the freedoms we know and, and, and so forth. And, and, uh, and, you know, in many ways we've been complacent. In many ways, you know, we've kind of let things slip. Uh, but, but every time we see something that's kind of infringing a little bit, we get a little nervous, but then we kind of adjust. Okay, I can live with this and I can live with this, and we're kind of kind of going through things, and I, I just want to say this, that there are some things on the horizon that, that things could go one way or the other, and uh, that would greatly impact our future. Greatly, and I, listen, I'm, trying, I'm not trying to be a doom and gloom or an alarmist. I'm really not, and, and, I, and, I, and I don't want to come across that way. But you don't have to be conspiracy theorists. All you have to do is turn on the news and hear what's being said on mainstream news, okay? You've always got those fringe guys that have all the conspiracies that run them down, like Alex Jones and some of those guys, and, and I'm not saying they're all wrong, okay? Uh, but, but the, you know, they're kind of more the fringe, right? I'm talking about mainstream media is saying, well, here are the plans if they get in office. Here are the plan, you know, here's what they're trying, they're gonna do, all right? You know, it's been vocalized by, by Joe Biden that, that Islam will be taught in public school, He vocalized it. Now, I don't know if it would be an elective or what his vision for that is, but he's vocalized that. All right? Um, There are a lot of things. Uh, Liberty issues. Of course, abortion issues. Marriage issues. Parental rights issues. Those are serious. And what I'm saying is we shouldn't wait. We can see the writing on the wall. We can see, like, some direction and some things that cause concern, we ought not to wait till the liberties are gone before we start getting concerned with it. Hey, they had 12 months to eat, drink, and be merry before this thing were to happen. Why'd they start mourning now? Why'd they start worrying now? Because the fact of the matter is they saw, they saw the writing, they saw the thing that was signed, and they said, wait a minute, if, if God does not intervene, now remember, God's not even mentioned, but if God does not intervene, then in, in 11 months, we're done. We're done. Children don't have a future. Don't you know? It ends with us. And in this providence, God's people will be no more. Verse four. So Esther's maids came, or, or she manned her chamberlains came and told it her. Then was the queen exceedingly grieved, and she sent raiment to uh, to clothe Mordecai and to take away his sackcloth from him, but he receives it not. Then called Esther for, for Hatech, one of the king's chamber, uh, chamberlains, whom he had appointed to attend unto her, and gave him commandment to Mordecai, to know uh, what it was and why it was. So Hatech uh, went f- uh, forth to Mordecai into the street of the city, which was before the king's gate, and Mordecai told him, of all that had happened unto him, and of the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay in the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. Also he gave them a copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, and to show it unto Esther, and to declare it unto her, and to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him, and to make requests before him for her people. And Hatak came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Again, Esther spake unto Hatak and gave him commandment to Mordecai. So so what's happening is there's a go-between. She's in the palace, Mordecai is outside the gate, and this person is going between, passing this message back and forth. Okay? And uh, verse 11, all the king's servants and the people of the king's province to, to know what, uh, that whatsoever, whether man or woman, shall come into the king unto the king, uh, uh, unto the king in, into the inner courts, who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these 30 days. So it's been 30 days since Esther has seen her husband, the king. And the king has a law. There's a decree. If you go and approach the king unsummoned, it's an automatic death sentence. Unless he puts out his golden scepter. Right? So you can see the king's court. You can see his guards there. Someone comes in. They've got a grievance or something. They've not been called. They've not made an appointment or anything. And as soon as he steps in, that sword's drawn. They look at the king. He never held out his scepter. Boom. So it's just that easy. No due process, no court, no, no nothing, okay? So she sends to Mordecai, this is serious. I haven't seen the king in 30 days. I can't just march in there. Now, we don't know the story. We don't know what took place. Uh, some stories out there, for the sake of dramatizing it, have kind of embe- embe- embellished on this. But, um, um, but we, we don't know what took place, why they haven't seen each other. Verse 12, and they told, uh, th- and they told to Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to swear, uh, uh, excuse me, to answer Esther, think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. Now, church, I want to say something. I'm thankful we live in Alaska. And for the most part, you know, even with this pandemic, financially it has not hit us like other places. I mean, there are some, some businesses that have, that have experienced some serious loss, and some folks, that's, but, but, but by and large, it's not hit us like other places. Um, we see persecution in some regards, uh, uh, like we've talked about California and some other places rising in those places. And we can, you know, we joke about, you know, well, I'm sure glad I'm out of California, and, and I am glad I'm out of California. But I just want to say this don't think for a moment just because we're in Alaska. Some of these things won't eventually touch us. That's what Mordecai was challenging Esther with. This decree went out, Esther, but don't forget you're a Jew. Don't think it's not going to touch you in the palace. You may last a little bit longer. You may, make it, you, know, you may go a little bit further before someone finds out you're a Jew. But, but the reality is, don't think for a second. You're going to escape this thing. So notice what it says. Verse 14. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, in other words, if you stay silent, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. Mordecai had such confidence that God was not going to let his people be exterminated. He said, if you don't do something, deliverance will rise up somewhere. And by the way, he had a history to point to. Judges had already happened. There are a lot of deliverers that rose up in judges. Okay? Notice what it says though. And who knoweth? This is the famous verse from the whole book. Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Esther was put into a prominent position. She was very privileged, if you would. She had a tremendous opportunity. To influence. What I love about Esther is, you know, her first response to Mordecai was no. But You know what we see in Esther? We see someone who was teachable. Mordecai, of course, was her uncle and uh, had, had basically raised her. And, and, uh, and it's amazing that even in the palace, she, she was concerned with his opinion. She wanted his input. Verse 15, then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan. That's around the area, the region of the palace. And fast ye for me. Get all the Jews, have them start fasting. And neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. This is called an ultimate fast. Now you can only do this for a few days. but no food, no water. For three days. This is an urgent thing. They need to get God's attention. And so will I go in into the king. All right, let me back up. Uh, I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go into the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. You know, that was the mindset of our founders. Hey, we're putting it all on the line. And if we perish, we perish for posterity's sake for this vision of freedom, for this vision of liberty. It's so burned in their hearts that they pledged to one another their lives, their liberty, their sacred honor. And guess what? Many of them lost it all. I think about men like John Hancock, one of the wealthiest of the bunch. Lost everything. All his finances, his family, and was on the run for quite some time. This is kind of the play. If I perish, I Perish. But someone's got to stand up. Someone's got to fight. You know, I think that was the heart of David as well. When he saw Goliath taunting the nation. He didn't say it in so many words, but he said, you know, wait a minute. There, is there not a cause? Is someone going to stand up and put their life on the line for the cause of Christ? For, for, for what God's doing here? He's defying the armies of God. He's blaspheming the name of God. And is someone going to do something? I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They basically said these words. Hey, our God is able, O king, to deliver us. But if not, if I perish, I perish. We'll still not compromise and we're still not going to bow down. You see? And so so Esther, she says, you know what, Mordecai? You've convinced me. I'm going to go in and if I perish, I perish. Yes, it just might be that I've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. And it came to pass on the third day. Three days, no food, no drink. Now, the no drink part, that's what gets me. I can go without food, but boy, I, I drink a lot of liquid during the day. And uh, when I'm low on liquid, like right now, I start getting headaches real quick. And um, she's gone three days. Her lips probably chapped. And Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house, over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house, over against the gate of the house. And it was so, when the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court, that she obtained favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand, so Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. She was spared. Then said the king unto her, What wilt Thou, Queen Esther, that is that that is thy request. It shall be given thee to the half of the kingdom. By the way, that tells me that she was in good standings, good graces with the king. All right, I've seen some stories that that somehow there was a problem between her and the king, and that's why they hadn't seen each other for thirty days. and And I'm like, wait a minute. If they were in bad, you know, if she wasn't in his graces, then why would he say whatever you want to half the kingdom? That's pretty generous, right? Yeah, I'll take half the kingdom, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so she says, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, for the sake of time, just kind of uh, uh, summarize the next portion. She says, here's what I'd like. I'd like, if it's okay with you, I'd like to host you and Haman as my guests. I want to prepare a banquet for them, for you two. And so he goes, okay, and he tells Haman, hey, we're going to go and have dinner with the queen. So they go, and they have this banquet, and uh, at the banquet, he says, all right, now what's the r- request? She says, all right, here's my request. Can we do this again tomorrow? It's interesting. What, you know, she's, she's going through this thing. And, and, uh, and meanwhile, Haman, he's all excited. Man, I'm in the king's graces. The queen's invited me to the house. And he tells his wife and his servants and, and you know, those around him, his friends, he says, uh, he says, boy, things are so great. The queen has invited me over and no one else. I, me and the king, the, we're, we're invited over. And they come together. What's that? That's what chapter 6 is about. So the second day, the second day, and and I'll just, for the sake of, you know, it's part of the story. It's an important part of the story. But but the next day, the king couldn't sleep, and he gets one of his scribes. He goes, hey, I want you to read to me the Chronicles. And basically, they had guys that would, would record all the things that took place. And they're reading along about a time when this man, Mordecai, this Jew, told of a conspiracy to kill the king. And because he uh, had reported this conspiracy, the king's life was spared. And the king thought, have we done anything to say thank you? Have we done anything to pay this guy back for saving my life? No, I don't. he's looking through the books. No, I don't think we have. So he calls Haman in. Now, Haman's so full of himself. Remember, he just gotten the good graces of the queen. The queen invited me and the king over. That's pretty, that's pretty up there, right? Not, not, not a big group, and I was included. It's just me and the king. And uh, so the, he comes into the king's uh, area there. And, uh, and the king says, what do you think we should do to somebody that the king wants to honor? You know, he's thinking, surely he's talking about me. Well, king, you know, it would be kind of neat if you, to honor somebody, you know. You should put that person on your own horse. You should put him in your clothing. And you should parade him around and let everybody know this is how the king honors Somebody. He says, that's a wonderful idea. I want you to go do that to Mordecai. Now, remember Mordecai, he's the one that did not bow down. I don't have time to get into all that, but he's the one that he hated. He's the one, the very reason why he wrote this decree to kill all the Jews. So now he's going around, he puts Mordecai on the horse, he puts him in the fine clothing, and he marches around. Behold the man that the king wants to, you know, desires to honor, and (laughs) that's that guy. So, needless to say, he's had a bad day. He goes home. He's furious. Because you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build a gallow to hang Mordecai on, a giant one. And I'm going to hang Mordecai on this thing. He's just consumed with it. So he goes into the banquet and, uh, with the queen and the king there. And the king says, uh, so what, what, what is it? Uh, verse, uh, chapter 7. So the king and Haman came to the banquet with Esther, the queen. And the king said unto Esther on the second day of the uh, at the banquet of wine, What is thy petition, Queen Esther? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? It shall be performed even to the half of the kingdom. Then Esther the queen answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me, uh, or, excuse me, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. My life, my people. What is this? Verse four. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, and to perish. And if we had been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I had held my tongue, although the enemy could not conquer the king's damage. What she was saying is, if we were sold into slavery, I'd keep quiet. We've done that before. But the fact that we are all going to perish, I have to say something. Then King Ahasuerus answered and said unto Esther to the queen, Who is he, and where is he that durst presume in his heart to do so? And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. Can you just see the banquet? She points at him. He's right here. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. King goes out, steps outside to clear his head, and he starts pleading with the queen, you know, you know what are you doing? Change your mind, please. And he gets so upset that, that he, he falls under her bed. The king comes back in. And he's so upset. He's like, first you do this, and now you're trying to take my wife? <laughs> and basically he's so upset. He's fuming. Just then another servant speaks up and says, you know... Haman just put together some gallows to hang Mordecai on. King goes, perfect. Have him hang on his own gallows. By the way, you know what tends to happen with God's enemies. The Proverbs talk about this. You tend to be caught up by your own devices. You can be tripped up by your own snare. Right? Jesus told Peter, they that live by the sword will die by the sword. Any any carnal means you use to fight a spiritual battle is the means that's going to consume you. But I find this story so amazing, because here we have a political conflict to the detriment of a certain people. You know, some of these things that are coming down, um, uh, a couple years ago we had the big discussion in Fairbanks uh, about um, uh, discrimination laws. By the way, whenever you see things like discrimination, uh, bullying, or any of those kinds of things, watch those very carefully. Those are those are key words, by the way, who, is it? Who hears against discrimination? Who hears against bullying? You see, those are words we can all agree on. But they'll use those to push an agenda. And I want to say this. Whenever you give special rights to groups, you will, you will inevitably uh, uh, encroach upon others' inalienable rights. It's either got to be for everybody or it's going to be unbalanced. And then it's going, you know, uh, you say, well, Pastor, it's kind of a stretch. You're kind of comparing this to the Jews' death and everything. And, And I don't think it is. This is a political issue targeting certain people. And listen, there's nothing specifically on the horizon, but there is a direction that I see us going in. And they foresaw it. They saw the writing. It's been decreed, so to speak. And, uh, and, and you know, in the, the laws of the Medes and the Persians, of, the, of the Persians, you could not undo a decree. That's why this had to be done with a new decree. And, and the end of the story is this. Mordecai gets Haman's job. He gets the king's uh, signet. And he writes a new decree that the Jews can now defend themselves. By the way, the others had a three-month head start. I believe it was three months. And it was a big kingdom. It's only going to be, get, uh, be helpful if it gets there in time. That's another story for another time. But, but here's the point. All the Jews began to mourn and cry out. They began to fast, put on sackcloth and ashes. Did it, did, it, did it affect their life the next day? Not really, right? Once that decree was signed, you can't just go and kill any Jew you wanted. You had to wait till the thirteenth tw- uh, day of the twelfth month. You can't just do it whenever. Day life went on as normal. They still had jobs and they still did their stuff. And and what I'm saying is, we should not wait till all this is right at our door. We need to, with the intensity uh, of 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 how how heavy these things are, say God you know, spend some serious, intentional time, uh, symbolically, if you would, ripping our clothes and sitting in sackcloth and ashes and saying, God, we need you to intervene. We need you to shed your grace on us once again as, as, as we're, we're losing it. And, and I want to say this, America's on borrowed time. We don't deserve it. We've spat in the face of God. We've turned from his principles. We've turned from, from, his, from, 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 from everything that has made America great. We've turned from these things. You see, the Christian understands what it means to say, let's make America great again. I'm thankful for Trump and trade deals and all these kinds of things that he's done, but, but we understand this. We need revival. We need to turn back to God as a nation. And, and, and one of the things that's kind of encouraging, you know, it's, it's been a long time that I've had revival in my heart and, and wanted to see revival, but I also understand studying revival that more times than not, it's going to take some hard times to bring about revival. Because it's those hard times that draw us to our knee. But could we not foresee the hard times and cry out to God ahead of schedule? Could we not plead with God? Could we not beg him uh, that he would send uh, revival yet again, that he would, uh, you know, and by the way, it's amazing. I You're seeing more and more people starting to get interested in, in some of these things. They're asking questions. They're trying to figure out what what is this all about? What is, uh, you know, uh, on the political side as well as uh, uh, in, in faith, you know, what, what, there are absolutes. There are things, like we discussed this morning, there, there are things that we can hold on to and say, this is truth, this is error. And, and people are realizing how detrimental this relativism has become. It's causing entire states to burn. Relativism. We're not going to condemn that because that's right for them. They're just expressing themselves. And after all, they've been hurt. You see, and this is this is where it's going. And so all I'm saying is this. Do, do we want to become Venezuela? <laughs> they were pretty well off not that long ago. And, you know, and for those of us, you know, and, I, and again, I'm not trying to be super political, but I just think as God's people, I believe we have a duty. I think Romans outlines it. I think Titus outlines it and... and and, you know, in other places where, where, where we are to, 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 to plead and to intercede and to, uh, you, know, you know, I understand render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. But as God's people, we are in a privileged position. We have access to the throne of God. We are ambassadors of the Most High. We are in a great position to petition the king. And it just might be that he'll spare us a little longer. I think about my children. I think about posterity. And quite frankly, if I perish, I perish. But boy, I want to go down, leaving something behind for my children to hold on to. I read the back of the book, and I know there's going to be some tough times. We don't know how bad it's going to get before the Lord returns, before we're raptured out of here. We don't. Some people think that God's going to rapture us before anything bad happens. It doesn't say that. No. <laughs> it doesn't say that. And by the way, Christians have experienced persecution ever since Christ. We've just been so blessed in America, we've not really seen much of it. So I want to challenge this church as we, as we look at this. And, and I'm not just trying to really push a call to action to fill out the calendar. By the way, I encourage you to fill out the calendar. But this is something I think that we, as, as God's people, need to start learning a couple new disciplines and say, God, uh, I need some intentional time that I'm going to call out on you and plead for my nation and plead for my neighbor and plead for this world. There's a very powerful and convicting passage in the Bible. God says, I sought for a man from among them. to make up the hedge and stand in the gap for me before the land, that I would not destroy it. God was looking for someone to stand in the gap. How do you do that? You pray, you fast, you stand, you plead with God, you intercede like Moses, like Paul, these great intercessors. What did Moses do? Moses said, God, take my name out of your book and save Israel. Paul said, I wish myself accursed for my that Israel might be saved. Now, we understand it doesn't work that way, but that's how intense their heart was. Hey, God, throw... Send me to hell if you could just save my brethren. That's how intense it is. Great intercessors I'm talking about. God says, I looked for someone like that, that would make up the hedge and stand in the gap. And here's what God said in that day. And I found none. By the way, if God can't find something, it can't be found. And I wonder if he looks at us tonight, is he going to find anyone to make up the hedge? Is he going to find any intercessors? Is he going to find anyone that's going to go to your closet and plead and beg and spend some real time saying, God, would you spare us? God, would you, would, you, would you get the gospel? God, would you protect our missionaries as this is going to impact them as well? And in many countries, some of them have had to come home. You know, we lost one of our missionaries because he could not renew any kind of a visa or anything in Mongolia. The Slaymans had to come off the field. Why? Maybe we weren't interceding enough. I don't know. They're out there, guys, and they're vulnerable. We need to be an interceding people. We need to see the severity of it, as Esther did, and as Mordecai did, and as the Jews of that day did. All of them felt it. If that were to happen today, you know what we'd say? Let's see. It's the first month. That's going to happen in the 12 month. A lot's going to happen in 12 months. It'll work itself out. Hey, we'll just go about our business. It'll figure itself out. Something will happen. Someone's going to come to the rescue. I just want to challenge us, folks, that if, and by the way, if you don't see the writing on the, if you don't see potential negative stuff that could take place, that's fine. But if you're seeing it, I, I believe now is the time to take action. Now is the time for God's people to pray earnestly, to fast, to take seasons like that where, you know, and and you know, we enjoy things, we enjoy pleasures, and we, we go on trips and things like that. But to take those intentional seasons where you know what, it's all going to come to a stop, and God, it's going to be you and me. I need you to do something. We need you to work.